Hey guys, so honored to be with you this Monday. I know my wife has been able to share the last few uh, weeks. I'm so glad to be back. If you don't know, my name is Brian. We're part of a missional community called One Voice Student Missions. We've been reaching schools for the last uh, 11 years now. It's been incredible just what God's been doing. And so if you want to know more about what we do and who we are, visit ovsm.com. It's www.ovsm.com. I want to jump into my message this morning, I think uh, this last few weeks has been pretty, pretty wild. Uh, just kind of coming, you know, in, living in LA, we've kind of came out of being on sort of a quarantine and a lockdown. Now, uh, getting re-put back into that place, and and it's I was, you know, with uh, with my wife maybe about a week and a half ago, and I woke up um, on a, it was a Monday morning. I woke up at about five in the morning. And I go to the bathroom because it feels like my throat is, you know, kind of closing up and, and I start freaking out. And normally I'm not one to call the ambulance. I don't really think of my health in those moments. I think about the bill. Can I get an amen? Uh, but I was thinking, you know, sitting there in the bathroom and my throat starts feeling like it's closing. And um, I start trying to like, you know, clear the airway and it's not working. And I wake up my wife and I says, honey, I, I can't really breathe. It's feels like it's getting more difficult to breathe. And, and, and she's like, what, what do you want me to do? I says, I don't know. She's like, do you want me to call the, the paramedics? I said, yes, call the paramedics. First time I ever called paramedics like this, uh, come into my house. So I go outside, I'm sitting out there and I'm not going to lie in that moment. I'm freaking out. I go to my living room and I wish I could say that I was, you know, listening to worship and I was praising the Lord. But in that moment I was, I was scared. And I remember my wife comes out and I just, you know, tears just start coming to my eyes. I can't breathe. And I'm like, honey, I, I, I'm not ready. And she goes, what do you mean? I says, honey, I'm not ready. She goes, what? She goes, I said, I'm not ready to meet God yet. I said, I just, I, 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 there's just things I know I need to do. And there's areas of my life I want to get right. And I just, I had this real moment and I just start crying out to Jesus. And I go out to the, to the porch and I'm just, you know, just trying to breathe and ambulance get there. And, you know, they check me out and they're like, well, your, your tonsils are pretty swollen. Uh, what do you want to do? And I says, well, I'm not sure. Like what, you know, what, what do you suggest? And they're like, well, we don't know. What do you want to do? And I'm like, I don't know. You're the experts. Like you tell me. And they go, you know, we, you can go to the hospital, but it's a, you know, six to eight hour wait in the hospital just to see anybody. And I'm thinking, how do I know if I'm even going to make a six to eight hour wait? And so I call one of my friends and uh, that, the family friend that we know, and she picks up and I'm like, I don't know if there's any hospitals or, you know, any doctors where you're from. And she says, Hey, you know what? Give me a minute. Let me, let me jump on the phone. She calls her doctor. They said, man, come down here. We'll see you. We ended up driving down all the way to, to Santa Barbara. And I go see this, this, this doctor and I, you know, they, they come run tests and like, well, you know, you don't have Corona. Everything else is, seems to be fine. We're not sure what happened, but the situation that occurred in my life brought about something that I realized was very profound in my life. But I also believe in the life of believers. It's that we need one another. I want to say this again. We need one another. Now, when I grew up, I grew up as a nineties kid. Now, I don't know if you're watching and you grew up in the 90s were the best days, in my opinion. I grew up in the days where you rode your bike so it got dark. I get an amen. I was in the days where there were super soakers. I was in the days where you played heads up, seven up in class before Corona. You could actually touch people's thumbs. I grew up, you know, playing Uno. I grew up, you know, watching SpongeBob. Maybe there's a little bit 2000s, but I grew up in the days of Rugrats and Nickelodeon and Slime Time. And I grew up with Tamagotchis, Furbies, Pokemon before you followed around the original Pokemon, Pokemon cards. I remember when the first Razor scooters came out. They were the coolest thing. I grew up in an era where not everything revolved around you. And I think as we've progressed in these years, 
Not that social media in any capacity is bad, but what's happened in today's culture is we've become very individualistic. We become very much just about ourselves. And I feel like even in the body of Christ, we must understand that although there are different parts of the body, what brings us together is that we are one body. This is why even cross denominations, I want to say whether you're watching, you are charismatic, you are Baptist. Maybe you come from more of a conservative type of, of, of upbringing. Do you understand that we each need one another? That we absolutely, not one denomination, if you are a part of a denomination and they say, we have it all, we are the chosen ones, run, please. There is a reason why God didn't give just one group of people everything. There is a reason. There is a reason. There is a reason why even in communities, there's some people that are stronger in prayer. There's some people that are stronger in faith. There's some people that are stronger in counseling or pastoring. It's, we're a body. And I know in today's culture, everything is trying to wedge itself to divide us. I mean, it's crazy. I was in, had this thought the other day. How do you even win as a pastor these days? You open up your church, people are mad. You don't open up, people are mad. You speak about race, people are mad. You don't speak about race, people are mad. Are you Republican? Are you a Democrat? Do you like Trump? Do you hate Trump? Are you for Biden? Are you against? Everything is, everybody is trying to stick us in a box to divide us. When I believe what, what needs to take place in the body of Christ is we unite on the things that we have in common. We have in common the faith. We have in common the cross. It's why I can get along with people that might have different theological beliefs than me because the same foundation is true. I've met people, if you don't know my stance, I believe that Jesus heals people. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Have I met people that don't believe the Holy Spirit moves today? Yes. Are they going to go to hell for that? No, it's not an issue of, of heaven or hell. Or, or it's, they're not saying he didn't die on the cross. I mean, we agree on the same foundational things. I learned this in Bible college once upon a time, that there are dots and there are lines that connect the dots. And most people, they don't realize that they need to focus on the dots, not the lines that connect. The lines are, are immovable and erasable and they can change. But the dots are the things that remain the same. Jesus Christ is Lord. He died on the cross for our sins. He is the only way, truth, and life. I mean, these are foundational stones to our faith. We must learn how to unify in a culture that is so divided. And it must be more than a unity meeting that we have. I can't tell you how many unity meetings I've gone to where it's a bunch of leaders that get together, we eat some muffins, drink coffee, and we call it unity. No, that's not unity. Unity is where two people can come together who absolutely disagree and understand that the disagreements don't necessarily completely put them at war with one another. I remember in 2016 when President Trump was elected, one of the most powerful scenes that I witnessed in a time where everyone was in an uproar, it's even crazier now. I remember one of the most powerful scenes I witnessed on the news was when Donald Trump came with Barack Obama and they shook hands. And although these two men were absolutely in disagreement on almost everything, they could be civil. But I want to take it a step further. I don't believe the Lord just wants us to be civil or tolerate one another. Toleration and actual brotherly love is very different. I don't want to tolerate my wife. I want to love my wife. I don't want to tolerate my kids. I want to love my kids. 
And we only can do this when we see the need of the other person in your life. If you think, if you're a type of person that thinks you don't need anybody, you don't need that person there, man, I can do this on my own, you will always stand on the side of being a lone ranger. And you will always stand outside of the body of Christ, even though you think you're a part of the body of Christ. This is why there's no way you could be offended with the church, hate the church, and say you love Jesus. Just can't do it. What do you mean, Brian? How is that possible? You know, I remember my, my wife is, is, is my, is, was my bride. I remember we were engaged. And if you look at it kind of from that perspective, if Jesus is coming back to make his church his bride and, 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 and there's going to be a great wedding day and you all probably read the Bible before, then that would mean right now there is an engagement with the church. And I don't know about you, but if you were to talk about my fiance, we are going to have problems there is no way that we could have this stance anymore that says, man, it's, I love Jesus, but I hate everything that represents him. Is there hypocrisy? Yes. Is there moments of weakness? Yes. But you will find that everywhere. I want to encourage you that after this Monday, you are going to look past those things and see what brings us together. And I want to read something profound here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. You might have read this before. Bear with me if you have. Even if you have, listen to this. This is for you. Ephesians 6 verse 10 says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Verse 11, put on the full armor of God that you might be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. I want you to know something. There is a devil. There is a devil. There is a demonic force that sets itself up to separate you from God. You cannot believe in God and not believe in Satan. There's no way to believe that there is light and there is absolutely no darkness. You have to understand that there are schemes that are set up from the enemy to do one thing. He's not trying to get you out of church. He's not trying to get you to quit ministry. He's not trying to break up your relationship. He is trying to annihilate your relationship with God. Let me read on the next verse. It says, for our struggle is not against, say this to me, say flesh and blood. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, and against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. I want you to understand, I think there's been this concept maybe in kind of the more Pentecostal churches. There's these old songs, you know, went to the enemy's camp, took back what he stole from me. Maybe you heard that song, or he's under my feet, he's under my feet, Satan is under my feet. That may be a cute song, but you got to understand that the principalities of darkness roll in heavenly places. They roll in a realm that you may not fully understand. They roam in a realm. That's why sometimes you're depressed. You're going through things. And I'm not saying it might not be mental stuff. But there's a lot of things I think we attribute to physical things that are really spiritual. There's some of you maybe watching. You don't even know why you're struggling with depression. You have no reason to be sad. You have no reason to be down. You have no reason to weep in your pillow at night. You have to understand maybe the reason is not a logical one. It's a spiritual spiritual one that the Bible says here, spiritual wickedness that sits in heavenly places. Verse 13, it says, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist the evil one, the evil day. And having done everything, the Bible says in verse 13, having done everything, it doesn't say fight. It says, having done everything, stand firm. It's powerful. Having done everything, Right, you suit up, and I'm going to get to the armor of God in a moment. But having it when you've prayed, you fasted, 
You've believed God. You've given. You've trusted. You didn't get offended. You chose to forgive. You chose to love. You chose to remain. Having done all of that, the Bible doesn't say fight. It says stand. But not just stand. Stand firm. Let me keep going. So stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with the truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all flaming missiles of the evil one or flaming arrows. Missile sounds a little bit crazy. Sounds like Call of Duty for some of you Call of Duty people. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on alert with all perseverance and petition for all saints. Why is the armor of God so profound? You know, when you look at the armor of God, I, when, I, when I got saved, I remember I read this and I kind of try to piece it together, how it looks spiritually. You know, it says here that you're to gird your loins, right? I, it's the belt of truth. I don't know if you know the purpose of a belt, but a belt is what upholds your pants, right? So some people might actually need a belt who's watching this. But truth is what's going to uphold you. So I'm going to break this. How I, this is how I used to kind of piece it together when I got saved. Truth is what upholds me, right? So it upholds the integrity. The breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is my understanding that I'm right with God, not by what I do, but by what he did. That is what needs to shield the heart. I need to, I need to know in my heart that I am right with the Father because of what he did on the cross. That protects this, right? Having, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Everywhere I walk, I must walk in the peace of God. In addition, taking up the shield of faith, that explains itself. And with which we'll be able to extinguish, right, all flaming arrows of the evil one, verse 17 again, and the helmet of salvation. I think it's important that we guard our minds with knowing the simple fact that let the redeemed of the Lord say so. This is the very thing that's going to be attacked in our walks more than anything. You want to know why a believer stops preaching? They stop believing. They stop believing here. They stop believing here. You put on the helmet of salvation. It's powerful. And the last is you take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I want to invite our worship team back. As we're finishing here, I want this so powerful that you understand that the Word of God is the very defense that Jesus uses against the enemy. But one thing that the armor of God does not protect is your back. It's pretty wild, right? The armor of God doesn't protect your backside. Why is that? Jeff, would you mind just coming here before you, you step over to your, to your base? So my friend Jeff, you could just, in your living rooms or your, uh, your, your cars, if you're sitting on the toilet watching this right now, it's where Jeff watches Monday mornings. <laughs> but why is our backs not covered in the armor of God? I believe our backs aren't covered in the armor of God because the armor of God wasn't meant to cover our backs. Our brothers, our sisters were meant to cover our backs. We were meant to have one another's backs. Thank you, Jeff. You could jump on that base, man. We were meant to have one another's backs. We were meant 
to not come and slander. We were meant to not come and gossip. We were meant to not come. I heard this saying once, it's that Christians are the only army that kill their wounded. When someone falls, when someone makes a mistake, we're so quick to judge. We're so quick to throw out all the good that they've done, forgetting the very mercy and grace that's taking place in our life. So here's what I wanna do right now, is I want us to take a moment just to repent together and ask the Lord for unity. Guys, we're in the wildest year, 2020, man. It's gonna be crazy, and I guess what? Come November, you already know it's election year. It is gonna get crazier. Could you not get into Facebook debates? Can you not get into Instagram debates? Can you not fight with someone over here in your church? Could you not fall prey to the schemes of the devil? And understand this is larger than a Republican or a Democratic Party. Then when they asked Billy Graham, they said, are you Republican or Democrat? He said this. He said, I'm neither. He said, I'm the road that meets the two together. We have an agenda. It's not of the donkey, the elephant. It's of the lamb. And there's unity that I believe the Lord wants to bring. We just pray this with me. Just where you're at. Say, Jesus, thank you for your presence. Forgive me of disunity. Forgive me of moments where I haven't spoke well of my neighbor. Bring unity into my life and into the lives of people around me. Now I want to pray for you real quick. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name that we could have one another's back. I thank you, Jesus, that you designed us as a body of Christ. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you breathe on people watching right now, that we would encounter you in the name of Jesus. Amen.